The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Tuesday, October 19, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And given that this is our third episode in a six-day stretch, you might have noticed uh, we're about to really get going again. Over the next two weeks, we're going to be previewing what is normally the top seven conferences in college basketball. They are the American, the ACC, the Big East, the Big Ten, the Big 12, Pac-12, and the SEC. And we're going to do them in alphabetical order, which means today we're focusing on the American Athletic Conference. And the AAC better enjoy this because its days of being a top seven conference might be coming to an end once Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati leave for the Big 12. Might actually be coming to an end this particular season. Real quick, two questions. Do you think the AAC will be a top seven league this season? Question two, what do you think it's going to be as a league once those three schools depart for the greener pastures of the Big 12? Yeah, I thought about this very thing when we knew we were going with this conference first um, because <laughs> this this might be the last year we do this with the American, just the state of the state of the league you know, let's enjoy this. This is this could be the end. Let's, let's, just, let's just bask in this. Let's, let's live in this moment. This might be our yeah. last American Athletic Conference. Hashtag live in the AAC moment. That's right. Um, so that's the truth of it. It is. You're going to be losing. Um, I think you're just going to be losing too many programs and note to to be considered on that level. In fact, you know, Ken Palm rankings came out Sunday morning. The projections right. right now, it's a narrow margin, but it, in fact, there's really a drop off at six. Big East at six. WCC, who I've, which I said last week on the pod, I think this is going to be the greatest conf, greatest year for that conference in its history, and at least the Ken Palm preseason projections reflect that statement. And then the All American, right, let's stop and pivot, and we'll do reverse alphabetical <laughs> order. This is now a West Coast Conference preview. What do you think of the Zags this season, uh, screw Dan? The, screw the Zags. Let's get into Santa Clara and Pepperdine. Let's break it down now. Um but we'll see. Like, if you told me that's the case, I won't be surprised. Like, quick, quick, just side note again. Gonzaga, BYU, St. Mary's, San Francisco, Loyola, Marymount. Probably all top 100 teams this season. And the American, we'll get down the full lineup of, of teams here. But, like, it's got five that are going to probably be in that top 100 conversation. And then there's probably going to be a big drop-off. And even within that top five, there's only two, I hesitate to say surefire, there's only two teams that clearly and objectively look like they should be making the NCAA tournament, even if they get uh, clipped by an injury or just, you know, take a bad loss here or there. We know who those two teams are. How it sets up for the league going forward, I mean, you know, we talked about it over the, you know, over the offseason when there was obviously the news with the Big 12 expanding and taking the likes of Houston and UCF into that league in the coming years. Um, yeah, I, you know, I know football dictates a lot of that. But from a basketball standpoint, 
the conference has been able to be relatively successful since its incarnation. Since 2013-14 when it started, it had four bids, then two, then four, then two, then three, then four. Last season it had two, and the year in which we didn't have a tournament, it was projected to be a three-bid league. So on average, this has been a three-bid conference since its inception. That's a multi-bid league. That's a clear top seven league. And once the realignment comes, barring something that no one I've spoken with sees on the horizon, the American is just not going to position itself on an annual basis to be anything better than a two-bid league going forward. And that's, you know, as we've spoken about before, it's just it's unfortunate for men's college basketball because you want more of these multi-bid leagues. But heck, for all we know, maybe the Mountain West just becomes that seventh conference. You know, who's to say what will happen there? But for the American, uh, this is a huge year because you have two teams capable of getting to a Final Four in Houston and Memphis and soak it up now because uh, coming off a year in which Houston just made the Final Four, these could be the days, you know, as good as it ever gets. Really need Andy Kennedy to get that UAB program going before they come to the AAC. You might be, you might gonna be right about that. Yeah, going to need Charlotte to re to to come to the AAC and rehire Bobby Lutz. Oh boy, the Niners. Yeah, the Niners were something else under Bobby Lutz back in the day. That's that's talk about a thing that defines our generation. By the way, like when people say like Charlotte basketball, I'm like, yeah, they were they were pretty good for a good while there. Hasn't they were really pretty good for a good while, and that just hasn't been the case there. But yeah, those the schools that GP is mentioning are the kind of schools that get rumored and bandied about that the American will eventually add on. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but clearly, it's just not going to be the same as what it is now. For what it's worth, the AAC coaches poll was released last week, and it went like this: first place Houston, second Memphis. Third, SMU. Four, Wichita State. Five, UCF. Six, Cincinnati. Tulsa was seventh. Temple was eighth. Tulane and USF tied for ninth. And East Carolina last in 11th. And what's interesting is that Houston didn't just get more votes than Memphis. It got way more first place votes. It was eight to three first place votes in favor of Houston. And this obviously runs counter to my top 25 and one and to your one to three fifty eight. We both have Memphis higher than Houston, but do you at least understand why the coaches voted the Cougars first? Cause it, it's not what I would have done, but I totally get it. Yeah. We've got them similar. I've got, I've got Memphis eight Houston 11. Um, this runs, by the way, the coaches uh, agree with Kempom Houston 11, Memphis 16 Torvik. If you're curious, Memphis three, Houston down at 13. So I like the fact that we've got some disagreement here and there. But what the coaches did is, first of all, it's entirely reasonable. When when you purely look at the coaching pedigree at Houston coming off the of Final Four, they, they still bring back enough. Uh, I understand that. And... I don't think like I don't think the Memphis like Memphis can use this as motivation. I get all of that, but I think objectively it's fair because the Tigers have been an NIT level program three seasons running, and they've been right on that fringe of NIT NCAA, right? But they have not participated yet in an NCAA tournament. And Amani Bates and Jalen Duran got to got to campus three and a half hours ago. So yes, they're really talented players. They're very very good. You know, but how are they going to gel with key returning pieces? Landers Nolly, DeAndre Williams. I'll be interested in that. I lean Memphis because I'm going to lean talent. And I think objectively speaking, Memphis is a more talented team than Houston. But the margins to me are really, really thin. And even as I, I've just brought up the Ken Palm page for this season, he's got both teams finishing 14 and four in the league. Again, projected before anyone's played a game. But if you told me that when we got to the end of this, they had the same exact league record, 100% would believe that. Yeah, I think Memphis is one in five since Penny took over against Houston. Um, you know, Houston has finished 
you know, as you accurately state, Memphis has been an NIT program for three straight years. You know, um, Houston has finished top 15 at Ken Palm in three straight years, top 20 in four straight years, finished highest in the league in three straight years. And so what this boils down to, cause I don't think anybody would try to tell you Houston has a better roster, more talented roster. I mean, Memphis has four players. So they released a, um, a first team and a second team. Memphis had four players on it. Houston had one. So what wow. the coaches have told us, what the coaches have told us is Memphis is the most talented team in the league by far, but we're voting Houston because we believe in Kelvin Sampson. And again, I, I don't have any real issue with that. It's not the way I would have voted, but I understand it. And to his credit, even Penny Hardaway last week said he understood it. I mean, this is a guy who has clearly matured from a coaching perspective since he got the Memphis job. Cause it was two years ago. He's talking about, we want all the smoke. And last week he said, um, no, Houston should be picked first. You know, they've run this league. They, they've been the best team in this league. And when I talked to Penny last week and I asked him about, you know, I said something along the lines of, if you and I are talking in April and you are chalking this up as a good season, what does that look like to you? What would make you say in April 2022, GP, we had a, we had the, we had a, we had a good season. That was, that was a success. If you ask him that question two years ago, you know what he said? National championship. It's like actually yeah. what he said two years ago. You know what he said this time? We got to make the NCAA tournament. He said, because the truth is we haven't done it. You know, we've had a lot of success in a lot of areas. We've sold tickets. We've recruited high-level guys. We've, we've won some big games. We've accomplished some stuff. But we haven't been in the NCAA tournament. And then when we get in there, let's, 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 let's see what happens. But we got to get there. And I don't want to say that he's lowered expectations, but he is speaking much more rationally about where he's at. He seems to be very aware of what he has done and what he hasn't done so far as a college head coach and very respectful of what Kelvin Sampson has been able to turn that Houston program into. And so last week, you know, Penny said, yeah, Houston should be the pick and we will do our best to use it as motivation. And I think that's, you know, that's something you've already touched on and something that makes sense to me. Just one more quick note on Houston. Um, Marcus Sasser deservingly was a preseason first team selection. I, there's just no shot that Kyler Edwards isn't one of the 10 best players in this league. He transferred to Houston. He is going to be phenomenal this year. I think he's going to be better than Sasser. So that uh, I hadn't checked the preseason teams. That's blows my mind. Kyler Edwards will be one of the 10 best players in the conference and Houston should have two guys represented on the team. Uh, but that being said, even with those two, Houston doesn't have the same talent as Memphis, not even debatable. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Kyler Edwards averaged 10.1 points per game for a Texas tech team last season that made the NCAA tournament shot 41.8% from three on 4.6, three point attempts per game. So you add him to a core of Marcus Sasser, Tremont Mark, Fabian White, Reggie Chaney. So those four guys, what you bring them back with them, because, because, you know, Cougars did lose a lot. Quentin Grimes, Dejan Giroux, Justin Gorham, you know, they lost three of their top four scores, but you bring back two starters and two other rotation players who average at least 15 points, uh, 15 uh, minutes per game for a final four team. And then you add Kyler Edwards, like that's essentially you're bringing back three starters from teams that advanced in last season's NCAA tournament. Let's put it that way. And when you combine that with the fact that Houston has consistently been excellent 
for the past four seasons, there's really no great reason to think that they won't they won't be really good again. Memphis has a higher ceiling. Houston is probably the safer pick. And that's why I didn't uh, even blink when the coaches decided to vote Houston one and, and Memphis two. What I do think, you know, they got the number one recruiting class in the country for the second time in a three-year span. But what makes this team so much different than that team two years ago is that, A, I don't think the best player is going to quit the week before Christmas. Um, B, I don't think one of the top three players is likely to suffer a season-ending knee injury before February 1st. Like, if you're looking for the reasons that team didn't live up to expectations, it's because of what I just explained. Uh, You would think, at least hope, if you're a Memphis fan, that they're not going to endure that stuff. But here's the other thing. On that that, that 2019-20 team that also featured the number one recruiting class in America, um, you had five freshmen starting on opening night. I mean, even the Fab Five did not start five freshmen on opening night. They were going to be really, really young. Now, with James Wiseman and DJ Jeffries healthy and and um, Precious Achua, and I, I do think that that was going to be a really good team, but they were going to be a really young team, and they were going to have to learn as they went. This team is probably going to start two freshmen on opening night because they bring back Landers, Nolly, Lester, Quinones, DeAndre Williams. Those three led the team in minutes played per game last season. And I know that Memphis wasn't in the NCAA tournament, but Memphis finished 31st at Kempom and really ran through the NIT with no issues. Um, played Houston tight twice down the stretch. You know, Kelvin Sampson is on record saying that, you know, we went to the final four and means we won four games in the NCAA tournament. None of those games were as tough as the Memphis games. And so that Memphis team got good. They weren't always good last season, um, but they got good. And they bring back the top three of minutes played per game from that team. Also bring back Alex Lomax, Jaden Hardaway, Malcolm Dandridge. And then they got the freshman class, which is loaded. Amani Bates, Jalen Dern, Josh Minot, John Camden, Jonathan Lawson. It's two five stars, two more top 100 prospects. And then you got transfers like Earl Timberlake, Tyler Harris, Chandler Lawson. Yeah. This team is old in spots, NBA talented in spots, and super duper deep. I mean, Penny has said he's going to play nine or 10 consistently but if you play nine or ten with this roster you've probably got top 100 players who aren't even in your rotation at all like think about this tyler harris played 20.6 minutes per game from memphis two years ago and might not play at all this season that's how talented and how deep this team is again memphis to me, registers clearly as one of the five most interesting slash intriguing teams in college hoops because of what GP just laid out there. I do love Earl Timberlake as a transfer, by the way. I think he's going to be the uh, just under-the-radar guy who, if we look up in Memphis, is really rolling and maintaining a top-15 status. He'll be the guy beyond the headliners who is really contributing a lot to that. Ha- that's, just a, that's just a hunch there. So um, that's the top of the league. It's Memphis and Houston, however order, one or two, however you want to put them. And then after that... You know, I consider this league that basically have three tiers in, in essence. It's those top two. Then you get into the tournament hopefuls, and then you get to the, to the rest of the teams in the league. That's exactly how it breaks down. And we'll get into more of the bottom of this league here in a second. But first, check this out. 
Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. So, Deadleg, here's my question for you. We both have Memphis and Houston in the NCAA tournament, and I think they're both going to be high seeds in the NCAA tournament. As always, we'll see. But you and I both believe in those programs, in those teams. Any other team going to sniff the NCAA tournament? Any other team going to make the NCAA tournament? I say no. I think it's a two-bid league. Whoa. I don't say that proudly. I just say it honestly. You got this as a two-bid league? I think it's a two-bid league. Nah. I think Memphis and Houston both make the tournament easily. And then maybe some combination of SMU, UCF, Wichita State, like that group of teams. Yes. Maybe that one of them is competing for like first four, you know, trying to be a 10 seed, something like that. But you've got this thing broken down the way I think it should be broken down. There's a clear top two, and then the next three are clear. But they're way behind the top two. And then after that, it drops off considerably. And that is what the preseason Kimpom numbers um, suggest as well. You've got Memphis and Houston, both in the top 15 at Kimpom. Then SMU is third in the league at 60th. UCF 61st, Wichita State 62nd. So they're all bunched together, but they're significantly lower than Memphis Houston and then significantly higher than anybody else because nobody else in the AAC is even in the top 100. So I think you've got five teams that can realistically enter this season hoping to make the NCAA tournament, but I would only bet on two of them. And at most, I think you get three. They're going to. Get, I would. Bet, I would bet on if you put it at two and a half over under. I'd bet the under. I would bet the over. They're going to get three. Uh, I've got UCF sixty seven. I've got SMU a little ahead at sixty one, and then Wichita State is the team that I would actually lean on to making the tournament. They bring back co league player of the year Tyson Etienne, along with Dexter Dennis, uh, Morris Udesi. They've got enough there. Uh, shockers for me are you know top fifty level team. I've got them number forty seven overall. I've got them getting there, and I've got them getting there as a double digit seed. I would put SMU. SMU and UCF in the conversation. One of those two will probably play themselves out by the time we get to that final week of the season, barring, you know, like, okay, if if one of these teams makes the title game, it beats a Memphis or Houston in the process, maybe they've got a distant, uh, a distant chance there. But uh, I like the Shockers. I do like them to get back, and 
I, I'll be interested to see if that actually winds up being the case with the gaps in those teams being what they are. Um, that being like, you know, the American not having a, a third team better than 60th overall. I just don't see that being the case. I think someone's going to get the wins in the league that's going to get that's going to get them to that point. And I just think that it's Wichita State. Uh, ETN's an awesome player. And he most definitely should be represented on our top 101 players list. Uh, I don't think he'll be the league player of the year this season, but he was a co-player of the year last season, and rightfully so, because he helped uh, bring that team to the NCAA tournament um, in what was a very tumultuous and rocky season. So, uh, Shocker fans, I do think that you're going to get there, and I do like what you have overall. Just a little bit ahead of SMU and UCF, although i, I got to mention that SMU has one of the more underrated players in the sport, Kendrick Javis is a fantastic point guard. Um, so I, I, he is good enough to make us both look a little foolish, I think. And now he's going to need some help around him. They've got a really good uh, freshman on on that roster now too. But Kendrick Davis, preseason first team player. Uh, the Ponies are they, they, they've been they've been playing well since Tim Jankovic's job kind of entered that hot seat ish territory. Um, so they have they have the talent to be in that uh, in that conversation. UCF. You know, they've got C.J. Walker, a former five-star prospect who started Oregon. He's back in the league uh, and back with that team. He'll be good. Um, Brandon Mahan's the best player on that roster. So they've got some there. I just don't know if they have enough. They started out hot. I mentioned in my 1-358 to GP last season, um, I know this feels like forever ago, and UCF doesn't really flare the radar that much if they don't have a, a dude named Taco on their on their roster or they're almost knocking Zion Williamson out of the tournament. But UCF last season beat Auburn, Florida State, and Cincinnati in three of its first four games, and the loss was on the road against Michigan. Started 3-1, and one, and then it ended the season winning five of its final six, losing to none other than Memphis in the American tournament. So UCF was an 11-12 group last season that... Started well, ended well, and had a bunch of blah in the middle. If it can fix that, then it can enter that uh, conversation. But I think it's clear heading in that it's just those three teams. Then you draw a pretty stark, big line, and then we get to the bottom half of the league. I am with you on if I had to pick a third team to make the NCAA tournament from the AC, I would also go with Wichita State. And some of it is because of that home court advantage. Like That's a real home court advantage that, that they have in non-pandemic times. And, you know, that'll get you a win or two or four yeah. that you otherwise wouldn't get. I would remind you, not that you need reminding, um, they are the reigning AAC champions. They were not the best team in the league last season. You know, they, they got to hang the banner and they should hang the banner and celebrate it. But they were at best the third best team in the league and maybe the fourth best team in the league. If you go by the Kimpon numbers, um, SMU, Memphis and Houston were all ranked higher at the end of the season than, than Wichita State. Wichita State finished 68th at Ken Palm after losing an NCAA tournament, and that ended up being the lowest number connected to any at-large team. So they barely got in last season. That 68th at Ken Palm number suggests that their accomplishments were a little more than the quality of the basketball team suggested, and that's why if you were, you know, if you were predicting a, a slip-back year, um, you'd probably point to a lot of that stuff I just said. Yeah, this is a big season. And you mentioned the home court advantage. Uh, just something to look forward to across college basketball. <laughs> just the return of that's going to be... Uh, fans in the stands matter so much for all of sports. We've come to 
not only appreciate it, relearn it, and know it better than ever in the past, you know, six, seven months as we've seen sports return in college basketball, just as it was the last major American team sport to hold a season last season after the wait when all these other sports went on hiatus or pause or whatever. College basketball is the last one to resume. It's also going to be the last one to resume with fans in the stands under quasi-normal conditions, and I can't wait to see that, and Wichita State's going to be going to be huge with that. Um, bottom half of the league real quick, GP. I'd, I'd rank it out like this. Cincy, Temple, Tulsa, Tulane, East Carolina, USF. Uh, just a quick note on, on each of these, uh, going reverse order. USF probably in a hot seat year for Brian Gregory, and don't see how that's going to be avoidable. Don't really have a good player of note. Um, I think they're going to be the worst. They weren't voted worst, but I think they'll be the worst. East Carolina has Winston Tabbs, a transfer from Boston College. Jaden Gardner left to go play at Virginia. He is one of the greatest statistical players in ECU history. I think Tabbs actually could be a heck of a baller here, but just ECU. What, I mean, what can you do? It's, it's just hard for that program to climb out of the bottom three. Tulane, you know... We want to believe that under Ron Hunter, this program is going to find some footing. And maybe this is the surprise team in the league this year. Maybe we look up and we say, well, hell, look at this. Like, Tulane was six. They did well for themselves. I think he's a good enough coach and capable of that. But I just don't think he's got that roster where he wants it to be at that point. So I got him bottom three. The name to know at Tulsa is a Boomerang Transfer, Jariah Horn. Boomerang Transfer meaning you were somewhere, you transferred somewhere else, and you came on back. Jariah Horn was formerly at Tulsa, spent a year at Colorado, and he boomerangs back to, uh, to the Golden Hurricane. Frank Haith has a way of usually outperforming preseason expectations from a metric standpoint, so let's keep an eye on that as well. I do have him fourth last, fourth from last in the league, though. I don't know. And then the final two, Temple, Khalif Battle, very good player. But as I noted in my 1-358, to man, like, that's a pretty solid... Like, Villanova obviously gets the most pub in that city. I get it, but Philadelphia is... An amazing city for a lot of reasons, but it's an incredible pro city and it's an incredible basketball city. Like there is so much attention paid to the pro team and the college teams in that city. And Temple, under Aaron McKee, now in his third season, you know, it's just been okay. You know, 14 and 17, 5 and 11. Now we're coming out of this, like they... They are going to demand Temple return to some sort of relevance soon here. I don't think it'll be this season, uh, but I would love to see Temple get back in the mix here. And then Cincinnati has new coach Wes Miller. I NIT at absolute best, but I almost think that they're not. I don't think any of these teams wind up making the NIT. Cincinnati does bring Jeremiah Davenport back, probably a top 10 player in the league. Uh, it also has, interesting factoid here, it has Hayden Koval and Abdul Addo. They have 337 and 249 blocks, respectively. Cincinnati has the two players who have the most active and highest block totals on all of men's Division I college basketball. So that's kind of cool. Um, and Wes Miller's a hell of a defensive coach. So they're going to try and win their games 65-62, the way he did with Greensboro and did a good job for a decade. But I think that all those teams are clearly a tick below, and they will not even come close to uh, entering the NCAA tournament conversation. You know, the problem for the AAC, you know, as it pertains to having programs that are capable of making the NCAA tournament um, is that, you know, in the past few years, they've, they've lost Connecticut. And I know Connecticut struggled in its final years in the AAC, but like there's also a team that won a national championship while it was a member of the AAC. And then Cincinnati's down. You know, we, we basically my entire life, Cincinnati has been you know, relevant, mm -hmm. you know, in times really good. And now they're just going through it. They're just down right now. And so if you're the AAC, you, you know, rewind a few years and two of your biggest brands, maybe your two biggest brands, uh, were Cincinnati and 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 UConn, obviously Memphis in there, yeah, um, as well. But 
you you lose UConn, and then Cincinnati goes into the gutter, and you've got you know it, it's hard to sustain that as a league. And then you mentioned East Carolina, poor East Carolina. You know they've been in a basketball league that we talk about, pay attention to for twenty years, never made the NCAA tournament. It's just one of those programs, man. It's tough. The last NCAA tournament was nineteen ninety three. They've only been twice ever, and yeah. the last was 93. And they joined Conference USA. They've now done 20 straight seasons in either Conference USA, which was a league at one point with Louisville, Marquette, yeah. Memphis, uh, 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 you know, Charlotte. Very good basketball Lou. league, yes. Very good yeah. basketball league for a while. And then they've been in the American Athletic Conference, which is a top seven league that we preview, at least for now. This could be the last time. Enjoy this. Um, and they just never, they just can't, it doesn't matter. They can't, doesn't matter who the coach is. They just can't break through. I feel bad for them because I like pirates. I root for pirates. Oh, you do? Yes, I root for pirates. I don't feel like a lot of people are actually rooting for pirates, but okay. Well, not real life pirates. Just oh, fake. okay. Just the imaginary I, kind. Yeah. Just I, I, root, I root for Johnny Depp. Your captain oh. hooks and the like. Okay. Yeah, but, 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 but the Johnny Depp before all those allegations. Came I got out. you. Yeah. yeah. No, listen. I don't, the, I, don't, I don't root for modern day Johnny Depp, okay. but like. You know, circa, circa ago, I got you. Listen, ECU, it's just, it is just one of those, you know, it's, it's track 10 on a 12 track album. That's totally filler. Like it just is man. Like it just, unfortunately I, I encourage welcome and want variation in my NCAA tournament fields, in my conference races. And I would like to see a school like ECU finally, like just surprise the hell out of us once a decade and like be the fourth best team in the league. It just doesn't happen there. And it's, to be honest, weirdly enough, like if you're ECU, uh, you want Cincinnati and UCF and Houston out of the league. Cause maybe there's an, like, you can hope to make the tournament once in a decade. Cause it just might be that much easier of a league, but no, I hear you loud and clear on what you're saying there, man. And uh, the American will be relevant this season because it's going to have two teams uh, with many reasons to be relevant. And But after this, you know, not trying to write an obituary or anything like that. We'll still follow the league. There'll still be stuff to talk about, but it's just going to, barring Mike Oresco doing something to, to change something here, it's just going to fit into that window where you've got the Mountain West, the A-10, and the and the WCC right now. They are what I call multi-bid leagues. They're not one bid every single season, but it's just almost never are you looking at a situation where you're getting more than three teams into the tournament. All right, you mentioned um, 10th track on a 12-track album that's totally filler, and it reminded me of a tweet from a few days ago from you. By the way, this is the end of the American Athletic Conference preview. It's over. What did I tweet a few days ago? You ranked the tracks on recovering the satellites. Yeah, you got it. Listen, this was as controversial as my Ooh. one to three fifty eight. Did not that realize was, a world of hurt. I'm way cooler with your one to three fifty eight than I am your ranking of tracks on recovering the satellites. How do you have long December in the bottom half? Like that's just a great song. It is a great. Here's the deal. I'm gonna bring up my track list right now. It I, first of all, highly encourage ending all college basketball preview talk to slide into some counting crows chatter. Love this decision by you. Um, it is a great song, and as I mentioned in some follow-ups and with some texts with some people, see, I, I have would almost be—I would almost flip yours, like I and just re rank them in opposite order. Yeah, and I'd feel more but here's the deal: this is why. Again, we disagree on this. This is the best Counting Crows album. It's not August and Everything After because recovering the satellites, which just turned 25 years old, it came out in '96. It has the highest 
quotient of really, 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 really good songs. And so the fact that I've got Long December, what, eight there? Um, and I've got it behind stuff like Monkey, Catapult, Angels of the Silences, Recovering the Satellites. The difference between those is so minuscule. But the only two songs, uh, Stephen Hyden, who's one of my favorite music writers, also was like, I'm confused by your list. Is this inverse? But to That's me, what I think. I but no, but like God. I got Walkaways last, and it's I love Walkaways. It's by a the seventy. Way. Here's the deal, man. It's a seventy-second song. Like it's fine, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just careen for twenty seconds into DMB Land real quick. It's like before these crowded streets. Has the first song on the record is fifty-four seconds. I love the way it sounds. I would rank it last because it's just fifty-four seconds worth of music there. If Walkaways was what it was at three minutes and 20 seconds, then it wouldn't be last. That's the only reason why I have it last. It's a good song. All the songs. But that one and then Mercury, Mercury is truly the only one. Eh. Doesn't really do it for me. Miller's Angels. I, that is the best song on the album. I don't know what to tell you. But I've got Miller's Angels, The Monkey, Children in Bloom. If you're unfamiliar with this, by the way, and you're listening, go find Recovering the Satellites by Counting Crows because there are few artists from the 90s who truly have a stronger one, two, and I really like this Desert Life, which was their third, uh, as the Crows, August and Everything After in 93, Recovering the Satellites in 96, Desert Life in 99. Really, really strong one, two, three there. Um, but you did not text or call me on this, so I'm, I'm a little bit surprised there, and now I'm going to turn it on you, okay? As I say to everyone who likes to bitch about my 1 to 358, <laughs> don't, go, don't go complaining unless you're going to present your own list. Go ahead. I would... I would have Long December near the top, if not at the top. And I know that it's the most popular song from this album, but there's a reason for that. It's it's it's, it's very good. It, it's a great song. Um, I like the unplugged version of Have You Seen Me Lately mm-hmm. better than the album version. Across the Wire, yes. Yes, yes. but um, but uh, that's a great song. Um, good Night, Elizabeth, I love. Um Catapult, I love. I, the, the, the highest rated song opener. you have that I also love is Catapult. Like, if I had to go through your list and say, okay, this is that song's close to where I would have it, Catapult is probably the closest one. I'm not sleeping as well. I like. I, it is a great album. Oh, my God. I it's think, such a good album. And it's such I a, think you can yeah. make the argument. Like, you know, Counting Crows, I don't know, resonates like Pearl Jam or, or Nirvana or other bands from the 90s. Um, I think you can make an argument nobody has two better the first two albums from the 90s like maybe they're in they're in the conversation there's we're talking strictly album one album two Um, they're in the conversation it's very good just this album uh, both the songwriting efforts are just tremendous i think i've got miller's angels monkey children bloom catapult i'm not sleeping one through five those are probably also now that i'm looking at this from a, and I didn't do this intentionally, but I think I put them that way because the way that those songs are arranged and kind of like musically, they are a little more unconventional than the other ones there. That might I also think, be a fact. I think this is where we have a breakdown. You focus more on music. I focus more on words. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I just, yeah, it's just, and again, I'm ranking, I rank the tracks, not the songs. And there is a difference because like, yes, like if you tell me, um, a song as it's performed live. I'm, I'm taking into account the production and all this stuff. Man, I love this. We could go. I'm up against it here, but we could go on for this forever. But uh, that's my, just a Twitter thing that I do. I, if there's an album that has an anniversary, I just like, what do you want from me? I rank 358 teams. I like ranking tracks on albums. And this is a wonderful October, November, December, January kind of album. Like I have those albums 
um, Radiohead's OK Computer, a very December, January album for me kind of deal. I don't know if you feel that way with certain records, but certain times of the year, I really drift to them, and this is definitely one of those. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Jake Lindsay, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Ion College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it while you're there. Please rate it five stars. Write some nice comments, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.